Hello, my name is Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we've got for you this week. Coming up today, the last Etihad A350 has flown to Abu Dhabi. Tom will tell us more, while I look at how travelling internationally just got a lot easier for millions of people. I'll update on the last Boeing 747 to leave Fenter, while Joe takes a look at how many aircraft Boeing believes the world will need in the coming years. Finally, Tom will tell us the unusual move by Swiss to prevent uneaten food from going to waste. So now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. And I wanted to start by talking about Etihad because, um, you know, we've spoken about them before from the webinar and they've said some exciting stuff about the A350. Well, um, the last A350 that has already been delivered has now made it to its Abu Dhabi home. So Finally! Yeah, I know. These aircraft started to be delivered back in June 2019 and sort of over two and a half years have passed and they're still yet to enter service. But... They didn't go straight to Abu Dhabi, where they'd call home. Instead, they went to Bordeaux, which I know you did some digging in years ago, um, just to show how far, not, not long they've been there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they went to Bordeaux, and they were delivered on paper, but what's delivered on paper if the airline hasn't got them, really? Um, that was like just a short hop from Toulouse. So this last aircraft um, is currently still flying on its um, test registration, which is Foxtrot Whiskey Alpha Echo. Um, and it had taken its first, um, oh, sorry, it had been delivered on May 25th last year. So right at the height of the pandemic, straight mm. to uh, Bordeaux. Well, yesterday morning, it took off at 9.47 in the morning. It didn't fly straight to where it was heading, though. Instead, it kind of turned right over the Bay of Biscay and did some um, testing you know, just checking that everything was working as expected after so long stuck on the ground, I assume. But then mm. after about an hour of climbing and descending and turning and whatnot, um, they climbed up to 41,000 feet and went straight to Abu Dhabi where they landed at 7.26. So flight time was seven hours and 38 minutes. That's a long trip for yeah, not, not a very long flight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um the aircraft itself carries the serial number 388, which I quite like because that's the number of the A380. <laughs> Just got to get it in there. Um, and it first flew on April 23rd, 2020. So it's already 1.4 years old. Um, but according to our friends over at CH Aviation, it's due to be registered as A6XWE. And oh, it's shame already- it's not XWB. Yeah, well, they do have an XWB, though, so... Oh, okay. Um, and they're going XWA, XWB, XWC, blah, blah, got blah. It. So got um, They do have one, like our friends over at BA. <laughs> <laughs> so its current market value is... Do you want to have a guess what a new A380, A350 that's just been sat is worth? No idea. <laughs> I, I really it's, don't want to have a guess. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> it's 134... Uh, 0.55 million. Wow. Um, I'll have two then. Yeah. Clearly, though, they're going to be amazing when uh, they come into service because I know you were saying that Tony told you that he's already seen inside and they look absolutely incredible. But mm, he didn't give us, us any details on exactly what we can expect, mm. but uh, he said we're going to be blown away. So I've got high expectations. Mm. I assume for us mere mortals, we'll have to wait until they enter service next year. Although I'm kind of hoping maybe they'll bring one to the Dubai Air Show and launch it there. You never know. You never mm. know. That would be a very exciting exclusive if we could hop on and have a look at their products. Mm. Oh, I don't think it would be an exclusive because everyone would see it, but... <laughs> Oh, unless we just fend them off at the bottom of the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Cool. Oh, well, that's good news. So hmm. uh, maybe Etihad will be flying its A350 to either the UK or the US. Who knows? Because uh, both countries have had some really good news in the last week. Hmm. Um, I'm going to start with the United States because this is the announcement that so many people have been waiting for. Um, it is official that they are making plans to lift the travel ban on um, people traveling into the States from November onwards. Um, now, you'll remember that this ban was implemented by President Trump in the very early days of COVID. So mm. for around 18 months, the only people allowed to visit the States were, um, or for, well, if they'd been in the UK, EU and, and a bunch of other countries, actually, um, were the US citizens themselves, their immediate family members, and those on a very short list of exemptions. Mm. Um, so it's been very difficult, actually, for kind of extended family to go and see their, their loved ones. Um, and it's been almost impossible for businesses to do any face-to-face -face trade across the Atlantic. Um, yeah. So President Biden has this week announced the repealing of the ban, uh, which is set to come into effect in November. Um, however, they will be expecting um, passengers to be vaccinated, fully double jabbed, or, you know, if you're lucky to get the single one, I guess that counts as well. Mm. Um, if you have not got both your vaccinations, then all they said really was that you'll be subjected to stringent COVID testing requirements. They haven't really elaborated on what that might involve. Um, but, uh, you know, it's 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 saying that you won't be completely excluded from travel, but it will probably be a lot more expensive and difficult if you haven't had your mm. vaccination. So, uh, you know, vaccine passports, it's all kind of going that way, isn't it? But uh, let's, not, let's not draw any conclusions at this stage. Um, so, you know, this was really welcome news for lots of people, not just the travellers, but also airlines, trade bodies, governments, they've all been lobbying for the corridor to open for a really long time. Um, you know, we kind of thought that when the um, relaxation of rules for US citizens coming into the UK and the EU that got all kind of downgraded earlier this year, we hoped there'd be like a reciprocal move from the US and that just didn't happen. Mm. Um, but to be fair, at the time, cases of the Delta variant were really surging over here. Now we've all calmed down and the Delta variant surging over there. So it's become increasingly pointless to have this ban in place. Yeah. Um, but Anyway, the good news is that we should be able to go and actually people have already been booking to go. So British Airways told us this morning it had seen a 700% increase in flight searches for the United mm. States um, since the announcement. This is just within the 24 hours since the announcement was made. That was that was even last night. They've uh, got oh, back to it? me since and they said that um, this morning, you know, they've seen um, a 900% increase increase in searches of flights and package holidays to key U US destinations, but the searches for flights and holidays for Thanksgiving were up of 2,000%. Wow. Wow. Well, it's just in time, isn't it, if it's coming yeah. in November. So, great news. Um, Virgin Atlantic obviously was delighted because they're an airline that really has built the foundation of its entire business on flying across mm. the Atlantic. Um, they actually said their bookings to the United States had increased by 600% overnight. Mm. Um, so that's not just searches, that's actual people putting their money where their mouth is and and putting, putting their names down to go. So uh, mm. they particularly said New York had the highest increase in bookings, um, but holiday destinations were also up, including Orlando, which increased 11 times, Miami up nine times, and Las Vegas up eight times. Um, so, but it wasn't only the UK airlines that benefited. I know you noted in your coverage today that Lufthansa also saw some positive booking changes, mm. um, although some somewhat slightly more modest than Virgin's. Yeah. They said their bookings were up about 40%. So, yeah, um, I guess the sort of key difference, though, there is that Lufthansa really goes everywhere. 
Mm. Whereas Virgin, Shai said it himself, Virgin, they're not Virgin without the Atlantic. Exactly. They do fly to a handful of other places, mm. but the vast majority is between here and there. So uh, mm. good news for them. But this is, of course, the second bit of welcome news in a week for lockdown travellers, um, because the UK revealed a planned change to its international travel rules. So um, from what I understand, from October the 4th, fully vaccinated individuals will be able to travel to the UK without taking any sort of pre-departure rapid test. Mm. And from late October, without a precise date yet, um, the expected day two PCR test will be replaced by cheaper lateral flow tests. Mm. Um, as well as that, they're scrapping the traffic light list. Hooray! So now we've just basically got a red list and everything else is okay. Mm. Um, you so know, we should so go for a stop sign list, staying with the sort of road analogies. Road closed, yeah. <laughs> road open or road closed? Road open. Um, but, uh, you know, all through the pandemic, people have been talking about this pent-up demand. And I think, you know, we're starting to see it both with the US and the UK. So, you know, within the 24 hours after the UK announcement, the, the British airlines and tour operators were starting to report a real surge in flight and holiday bookings. So, hmm. for example, EasyJet said... Um, that there were um, like a huge amount of bookings, particularly to places like Alicante, Mallorca, Tenerife, Faro in Portugal. Um, and this was all for travel in October, suggesting people are just trying to snag that last little bit of summer sunshine before it completely disappears mm. from Europe. Um, and actually, EasyJet's putting on an extra 51,000 seats to these destinations as a result. Um, Jet2.com and Jet2 Holidays, they suspended all their flying to Turkey, um, but Turkey was taken off the red list. So they're restarting from this Thursday. Um, and TUI also said they'd had a significant significant uptick in demand for Turkey alongside other winter sun destinations. So you know, overall, really good news and potentially signs of something of a recovery this winter. Mm. So happy days. I just wonder how cheap these antigen tests are going to be because... I don't think they're going to be free because, you know, they were very clear you can't use a free NHS PCR for travel. And mm. the way Shaps worded it, it was kind of like saying that they were going to be cheaper uh, yeah. tests. But, you know, I'm wondering if, if you know, a PCR nowadays is £43. And, well, if you, you know, know where to buy it, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Some people are still paying 100 But uh, yeah. I know when I went to Zurich, um, they were initially before we were back on the green list where I was going to have to do a fit to fly test and then mm. I ended up doing a PCR just randomly anyway so I didn't need it but had I needed to do that in Zurich you couldn't use you couldn't like bring one with you and do that and show them it had to be done at a lab by somebody else um, mm. and I think the cost for that was about 30 euros so I think it is yeah. going to be cheaper but there is still going to be a cost attached and I mm. guess you know that that just means if you're a large family it's still additional expense but mm. less than it was with the PCR test, for sure. Yeah, slightly less. <laughs> so, tell us about a 747. You've got no A380s to tell us about today. So, <laughs> tell us about the other quad jet that no one likes. <laughs> so, instead, I've got to talk about the 747s this week. Um, but, yeah, they've removed another 747-400 from storage. Again, yesterday, um, D-A-B-T-L, um, it it was in, stored in Twente in um, sort of the west, the east, sorry, of the Netherlands. And mm -hmm. it had been there up with six others. But it came out last uh, yesterday and came back to its lovely home in Frankfurt, finally. Um, 
And well, that was kind of a special flight because it was the last one to leave the airport. So they gave it this, um, the call sign DLH for Lufthansa and then the number one and then the letters ENS, which is the code for Tventa Airport, which is in Enschede. But I oh. probably butchered saying that. So <laughs> apologies to <laughs> listeners. Um, but, you know, it's really interesting because it's Lufthansa, I feel, is the only airline that's really like, yeah, 747-400. Um, it's, I was looking the other day at the noise charges that aircraft get charged for landing at um, Frankfurt and because they charge on noise um, for arrivals, it's significantly cheaper for an A380 to land than a 747. So that oh, really? was kind of an interesting one because um, they're bringing this 400 back. But um, like I said, it was DABTL, which is actually the youngest 747-400 remaining in the Lufthansa fleet, but um, certainly not a young aircraft. It's um, 19 and a half years old. First flew on February 28th, 2002. And in the two decades since, it's racked up almost 90,000 flight hours across more than 10,000 flights. So on average, each flight was eight and a quarter hours, but it's been used for more than 12 days, uh, 12 hours each day since delivery. And if you think mm. the last sort of year and a half, it's just been sat doing nothing, um, that's going to eat into its average daily use. So it's probably even higher than that before. Yeah. Um, what's kind of interesting is that it brings to the uh, a close to some real drama that almost ended up in legal action over these aircraft because Lufthansa flew six of them in and then they found that they weren't allowed to fly them out because the Tventa Airport isn't permitted to um, allow takeoffs of such large aircraft because of the facilities it has and the runway and whatnot. And um, the Dutch, <laughs> yeah, it's... I'll go into a bit more what they need in a second, but basically the Dutch, the Dutch regulator ended up issuing an exemption that would allow these six to leave. But, you know, they said it's not going to be given again. So don't let more 747s come in if they don't if they don't want to stay forever, um, basically. Yeah. Initially, the airline was told it would needed to have removed them by early this summer. But clearly the deadline was extended because one left yesterday. Mm. Um but I was reading this Dutch publication, Tubantia, and it got a bit lost in translation. So I don't know how accurate my reading of it was. But basically, my understanding was that they wished to take 747 aircraft again in the future. And they'd even perhaps take Lufthansa as if they needed to be stored. Um, but to be certified for this, they'd need to build a turning circle at the end of the runway. Okay. And it's not really economical for the airport because of how few aircraft movements it gets. It's not like a busy commercial airport. It gets mm. these aircraft that come in and stay and then maybe leave for a bit. And um, and what I understood was that they're now going to be going to court to try and get an exemption to this rule because um, they won't be given one by the aviation regulator. So they want to kind of force the regulator's hand. Okay. So it's not that the runway is not long enough or that no. there are too many houses nearby and it's too noisy. It's because of a turning circle. I think it's partly because the turning circle, so it can't get off the runway quickly. And um, I think maybe it's to do with the, the makeup of the runway itself. I mean, it's mm. there's lots of Very information in, online, but it's in Dutch, which apparently Google Translate really doesn't like. So. <laughs> If, uh, if there are any Dutch speakers out there who want to fill <laughs> us in on the uh, the ins and outs of this story. But you, you'd think, why would Lufthansa park them there if it knew that they weren't allowed well, to take off again? Yeah, that's the thing. They didn't know that. Um, 
I remember speaking to people at the time, and I think they were firmly of the belief that they would have no issues taking them out again um, because I'm pretty sure the the contract that they signed was only to park it for a certain amount of time, and like mm. you wouldn't sign a contract like that if you didn't if you knew you couldn't take it away again no exactly and i think it's also curious that uh, you know it's like the polar opposite of british airways british mm. airways is gearing up to bring the a380 back but the 747s are gone whereas mm. lufthansa is doing the opposite so uh, horses for courses i guess mm. So I just wanted to run through um, kind of the highlights, if you like, of Boeing's um, commercial market outlook, which is something the plane maker does every year. Um, but, you know, having had a couple of really difficult years, it was interesting to see how this year's came out. Yeah. Um, so the CMO looks at 10-year and 20-year global forecasts. And the, the crux of it was that over the next 20 years, the manufacturer projects demand for over 43,000 aircraft um, with a value of roughly $7.2 trillion. Um, but in Interestingly, they'd actually revised their estimates upwards compared to the last couple of years. Um, so, you know, growth is still on the cards despite what's happened. Um, they're expecting a 4% increase in both passenger traffic and cargo traffic over the next two decades. Um, and through to 2040, Boeing expects the world will want, um, as I say, over 43,000 new airplanes, um, which is an upward revision by around 500 aircraft over 2020's forecast. So, mm. not a huge upward revision but definitely you know heading in the right direction yeah exactly um so in 2019 i found all this quite interesting the cumulative total of aircraft in fleets around the world was 25,900 aircraft um over the next 25 uh, 20 years only just under 6,000 of those planes are expected to be retained in fleets so roughly 80% of the global fleet that was around in 2019 will be replaced by 2040. Um, I suppose that's not a huge um, shock because all those planes, you know, they'll be ageing and two decades is quite a long time away. Mm. Um, but Boeing reckons that there'll be not only replacement, but also a significant growth as well. So by the end of 2040, the cumulative global fleet is estimated to be 49,505 aircraft. Um, so that's going to be 43,610 new aircraft, um, plus the, the ones that are retained from the existing fleets. So it's about 46% replacement and 54% growth, um, which, you know, is a really good outlook, actually, in terms of, you know, how the aviation industry is going and um, recovery from these very difficult years. But as you might expect, almost uh, three quarters of the projected new aircraft deliveries are expected to be narrowbody, single aisle aircraft. Um, so they're expecting a demand of over 32,000 new single aisle aircraft, um, about seven and a half thousand wide bodies, about 2,000 regional jets and just around 890 freighters, which is more or less 2% of the overall demand. So, mm. I mean, you might think that that's quite a low count for freighters, um, but it's, you know, it's important to remember these are brand new aircraft. So, yeah. um, there'll, of course, be lots of conversions of passenger jets to cargo going on as the, the planes leave the passenger fleets. Um, so... Just other interesting points of note, there were some demand hotspots picked out. Um, and of course, North America's up there at 21%. Um, but 
level pegging, excluding China, Asia is also expected to order 21% of the new planes. So that's everywhere except China. You know, China is mm. known to be a huge growth market, but that's other places, which I thought was really cool. Um, yeah. Europe's expected to demand about 20%, China about 20%, and then the Middle East, Latin America, Russian, uh, Russia and Africa, just uh, kind of a small amount each. So uh, not expecting many orders from Emirates, clearly. <laughs> yeah, well, I've, I think they're kind of sorted for the time being. So. Yeah, I'd agree. So, you know, obviously, um, Boeing won't get all of these orders if they do come to fruition. This is just a forecast and doesn't yeah. necessarily represent reality. Um, but those orders, if they do come, will be split between Boeing and Airbus and, of course, um, potential new entrants in the market like uh, China's Comac. Um, but I think what was the good news was that the, um, Boeing is expecting domestic markets to lead the recovery into 2022. Regional flying is expected to fully recover to 20, 2019 levels by 2023. And then long haul flying will be last to return to 2019 traffic levels by the end of 2023 and early into 2024. So, I mean, this is largely what they've been saying all along, but it's mm. always nice to hear it and see it written down in a, in a forecast prospectus like this. So. Hmm. happy days <laughs> well i just wanted to sort of end on a quick sort of nice story in the swiss is now it's partnered with the app too good to go to make sure that it's not wasting food after a flight and basically what's happening is that um you know if there's leftover food in the economy cabin of short haul flights that hasn't been bought there's um the cabin crew are going to make an announcement and say we got this food left over um, who wants to buy it? And they'll ch uh, only charge a third of what it's actually costs. Uh, it actually costs. So, um, you know, they're probably not making much money if at all on selling it at this point. But a third is still more than zero percent. Um, mm. What I find interesting about it, though, is that they've partnered with Too Good to Go, which is like a big company in um, food re food saving. You know, I use it in Frankfurt sometimes and get. Uh, they just basically you go on the app and it says this restaurant is going to be throwing away food and you say hang on let me take it i'll pay a fraction of the price but then it doesn't go in the bin um but you never really know what you're going to get and i guess that's the same concept here you know you're gonna you know that you're going to get a bag with one two or three items in it yeah um but you don't know what's going to be in it but i just kind of wonder why swiss has had to partner with too good to go to do this because you know they're not using the app all that's happening is that um the cabin crew are making an announcement saying we're going to get rid of this food and sticking a too good to go sticker on it you know they could have done this themselves yeah they absolutely could and i'm sure too good to go is taking some portion of the revenue hmm. from this so yeah um clearly there's a benefit in there somewhere but we just don't know yeah. quite what it is exactly um, but it seems it's going well because the uh, swiss's head of western switzerland um said that the first results have been promising and that it's been well received by passengers so they're waiting a final analysis of the trial so far to decide whether they should extend it further hmm I've used that app before, but because I live in the middle of nowhere and there are no restaurants around me that are participating, the only place I can get it from is like Costcutter and Spa. Mm. <laughs> and my son did one from Costcutter and got a lovely bag full of stuff. There was a big bottle of juice and a ready meal and some crisps and some bread. And I thought, oh, I'll have a go at that. And uh, I paid my three pounds and went up to the shop to collect my little bag of uh, going out of date stuff. Mm. And I got six, six cans of whipping cream that 
that were going out of date in the next 24 hours and a box of uh, angel slices, Mr. Kipling's angel slices. So I enjoyed mm. the angel slices, but I have to say most of the cream ended up in the bin because I was gonna say, you who could can eat six one... pots of cream in 24 hours, you know? <laughs> you could have probably put one cream on each of the fingers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I've been to Starbucks a couple of times here and like usually they've been like, oh, what would you want out of this, this and that, um, which is quite nice. But you know, only a couple of times I've been really disappointed. Usually you get like a bagel or a panini and then some other cakey stuff. So I think it's a great idea. I just need to move to a big city and then I'd be mm. able to make the most of it. But uh, yeah. I mean, you know, fair play to them for selling off the, the food mm. that's going off. I think it's yeah. better than throwing it better away. Than going but, in the uh, bin and they get a tiny bit of money off it. Yeah, curious of the partnership, but uh, maybe we'll uncover that later. Mm. <laughs> anyway i think that's about all we've got time for today so uh, as usual thanks very much for listening and we welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com for more great content you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media simply search for simple flying if you enjoyed the podcast please leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player thanks for listening bye <laughs>